Hi, my name is Ryan Broderick, and I just had to wash my fingers uh, because they were covered in Takis dust, and it's very hard to get off of stuff. What is Takis dust? Takis? Uh, hold on. Here's a little ASMR for you. Takis. Oh, so it's like a Cheeto. It's like a spicy Cheeto. Yeah, sort of. Okay. It's, it's a corn snack. And they're very good. It's cool that you found the worst food in Mexico. <laughs> Takis are not okay, the worst correction, food. Correction. You find the most American food in Mexico. <laughs> Takis are not American either. They are They are a very authentic snack here. I'm sorry. They have very American vibes. I'm, Me- Mexico really outdoes America in terms of snack food culture. They, <laughs> like Americans really aren't anywhere even close to level. Like we're – oh, it's like, a, it's like one of those mobile games where it's like – Yakuza Grunt, level one, and then it's like Mob Boss, level 99. And America is Yakuza Grunt, <laughs> level one, and Mexico is Mob Boss, level 99. What's your name? Uh, I'm Luke, and I didn't have a fun thing to say. <laughs> All right, let's get into the show. Okay. This week on The Content Minds, the show that you're currently listening to, we are talking about a meme that I have discovered has been around forever. In doing research for the show, I was shocked at how far back this discourse goes. We're going to talk about the no bed frame thing. Yeah. Before we get to the no bed frame thing, Luke, how was the internet this week? Uh... The internet this week has been primarily content blocked. What do you mean? Uh, I mean that uh, every single like big internet moment has been geo-blocked from somewhere because the Olympics is happening and it has somehow, it feels like it's got worse since last week. Oh, because of the Olympics? Yeah. It's wild. There's, there's been like, there's been like amazing moments of like, wow, I can't believe these two people decided to like share the gold medal. Uh, Also, you can't watch this heartwarming content. Uh, And yeah, it's just, yeah, it feels like as a result, the entire thing has not really happened. I don't know how bad it is in, well, I don't know how bad it is in Mexico, I don't know how bad it is in the US, but in, in the UK, it is extremely bad and it's essentially unwatchable. Well, I'm glad you brought this up because, you know, you know, you know that I've covered two Olympics as a reporter. I like the Olympics. I think it's fun. I also hate with a burning passion the, um, like the monopoly aspects of the Olympics it makes what should be a very fun, cool thing for the world into a logistical nightmare. Also, the Olympics are perfect for viral content, except you cannot use it as viral content, which makes the whole thing kind of pointless. And then everyone's like, oh, no one wants to watch the Olympics. And it's like, no, people do want to watch the Olympics, but they would like to be able to share it. They would like to be able to talk about it, and they can't. And it's completely insane. People want to engage with Olympics content, but the Olympics will not allow people to engage with their content because they have... Right sold it to some company that means that you can only watch one channel at a time. Oh, God. Also, every single country's had this problem. Like, Italy got very mad when they had had, like, a... There was, like, a handball match. It was, like, a... No, polo, water polo match that was very big. And then they cut had to cut away to cover, like, the breaststroke. And it was just, like... 
What what are we doing here? How is this enjoyable? It doesn't make any sense. In America, the rights for the Olympics are owned by NBC, which is like an absolutely just like incompetent TV channel. <laughs> uh, and like they have no idea what they're doing. Like I don't watch linear TV because I was born after 1985. But my mom told me that apparently the Olympics like – morning stuff they're doing is, on NBC is completely ridiculous. They have like the hosts doing segments about like what Kawhi culture is and Harajuku and shit. <sighs> and it's like all people want is to watch the games and then clip them into memes. That's all anyone wants to do and that's, and you can't do it. It's so crazy to me. Also yeah. like the Olympics should be a moment where the whole world can go online and be collectively horny and they can't even do that either. But it's, it's, you don't even you not even to go online, but just you should have universal moments like where it can cut between and be like, "This is going to be the big moment. We'll cover this." But instead, right. in, in the UK, they've sold the rights to uh, sorry, actually across the whole of Europe, they've sold the rights to Discovery, uh, Euronews slash Discovery, which means that the entire thing is behind like a paywall on a channel that no one has, uh, and the BBC in the UK can show I think one event at a time and then one more event on its digital channel. Which means it needs to keep that's, picking event. Oh, it's ridiculous. That's crazy. And also, everyone knows that the best Olympic events are the weird ones you've never heard of before. Yes, I did really enjoy the speed climbing this morning. Where everyone yeah, we talked to, about this last yeah. week. Yeah. But that's a great sport. Skateboarding, which only 13-year-olds win for some reason. It's just, it's, it's, it's heartbreaking and annoying. Speaking of heartbreaking and annoying, I have something I need to talk to you about. Okay. Minutes before we recorded, not really, actually about, it was this morning, like seven hours ago, Business Insider posted a story that is, it is unbelievable. It is un, it is unbelievable in every way. It, it, it's mind blowing. And I'm going to read you the headline and I'm going to send you the link. Okay. Okay. The headline is, when a shower door sliced my hands open, I used $23,000 from rental insurance to pay off my student loans and it was worth it. Okay. Okay. I got to unpack that. Here are, here are four bullet points from the story. Bullet point one. <laughs> bullet point one. I graduated from college with over $20,000 in student loans and worked hard to pay them down. Bullet I mean, that's pretty two. lucky, to be honest. Graduating with only $20,000 in student loans. Yeah. That's half of what I left college with, and I did not go to a particularly good school. Hmm. Okay. Bullet point two. When I cut my hands and got a renter's insurance payout, I put every cent towards my loans. Okay. Okay, I, oh, so I have to ask one question here, which is, what was the renter's insurance supposed to go towards? Uh, well, it's renter's insurance, so it could go to whatever. She just got an insurance payout because a glass door broke and sliced her hands open. Okay, but like, if she has health insurance, surely that pays for it. So why, why do you get money for something bad happening to you? Oh, Luke, Luke. That's such a not american question. <laughs> Bullet point three. Even though I have nerve damage and scarring, the accident is worth it to me to be debt-free. Hold on. Hold on. Can you guess where we're going to go with bullet point four? Because it's, it's going to really fuck you up. I'm really hoping you shouldn't lose a hand. Right. Bullet point four. Policy Genius can help you compare renter's insurance policies to find the right coverage for you at the right oh, price. Jesus. <laughs> Wow. Yeah, it's amazing. Wow. The whole thing is from Business Insider's Insider Reviews. It was written by a woman named Kirsten Conway, who's an SEO strategist, and she oversees 
search strategy and content optimization across all verticals. That is astonishing. <sighs> okay. So, uh, yeah, that's what she did with her nerve damage. What brand would you get nerve damage for? Um, uh, <laughs> I mean, I just... Okay, I've known people who work in the native advertising business. Not where uh-huh. I currently work, but I have previously known people who work in, like, the how do we make this content work for this brand client and uh-huh. the extent to which they are willing to mine and destroy their own lives for content has always shocked me <laughs> like I, I get that lots of people mine their own it's, it's a well-trodden path of internet content is mining your own tragedy for content yes yes i don't know why but there's such a massive difference between doing that and then doing it for a brand yeah i don't i mean i've been thinking yeah i think a lot about this where it's like would I rather relive one of the worst days of my life for a brand or to do it for like an outlet, you know? Like, do you want to take your personal trauma and turn it into editorial content or would you like to make a lot of money and turn it into branded content? Which is darker? Yeah. And and weirdly it's it's we think it's the second one. We think it's branded content. It's probably not. It's probably not because like, at least you're getting money if you turn it into like a Taco Bell ad or something. Yeah. In the first half, you get like some vague praise and maybe some Twitter followers. Maybe a book deal. Maybe a book deal that no one's going to buy. Yeah, it doesn't matter. You've already got the, the, the advance though. Right, right. And you can, take, you can take Instagram photos of the cover and be like, look at the great cover that's coming. You know? That's the dream. Yeah. <sighs> I got to talk about... Uh... <laughs> I got to talk about a bad thing, and it's a bad thing that we always talk about in kind of like glancing blows, but I've actually got to talk about it properly this week, uh, which is uh, British columnists and trans people. Oh, right. That's right. Okay. So I I had this story on my garbage day list for today, and I was like, you know what? I'm exhausted even looking at this, and I, I feel like readers would be exhausted having to sort through it. So let's let let's put this on our our podcast listeners. Let's force yeah. them to go through this. So 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 talk to me about the latest in British turfdom. All right, the latest in British turfdom is that a fantasy author, uh, by the name of Terry Pratchett, who I don't think you've ever read. I have I have read uh, I read a couple of Terry Pratchett books as a kid, but I'm not sure I really was old enough to even get it. They're extremely British. Yeah, but they're funny, and Terry like, Pratchett's great. I mean, he's beloved. Yeah, he is beloved. Um. However, uh, God, sorry, this is, it's so frustrating and annoying to have to do this, but Terry Pratchett, so I was a big Terry Pratchett fan as a kid because I was a, like, a nerdy white British teenager, and therefore Terry Pratchett, like, kind of, they, they give you it as, like, a, uh, as a health thing, like the NHS, <laughs> yeah. like, oh, oh, you have some Terry Pratchett. But Terry yeah, Pratchett, exactly. very, very funny writer, um, very prolific writer as well. Like, in a way, he's kind of a British Stephen King, but with a very slightly different genre. Okay, yeah. Like, there are periods where he wrote, like, three or four books a year. Um, so, yeah, like, proper Stephen King style of output. Right. Uh, he died a few years ago, uh, I think 2015, I think. 2015, he 2016. died uh, one of the first weeks I was in the UK, actually, in 2015. Yeah, okay, so 2015, 2015. Um, since then, many anti-trans activists in the UK, of which there are a terrifying number... Uh, yeah. kind of attempted to co-opt his books and say, 
with the implication that he would have been also very anti-trans. Like he would have been what they call gender critical, but is also got a bunch of different things, but it's broadly anti-trans, anti-trans activism. Then an awful lot of people got involved who knew Terry Pratchett. Neil, right. Neil Neil Gaiman, who wrote a book with him, was also a very good friend with him, and you know, kind of tweeted like he was always extremely proud that this particular plot. So there's a plotline in one of his books where uh, the gist of it is is that there are his version of dwarfdom, where he kind of like satirizes the rest of fantasy, is that uh, all of the dwarves are the dwarves are equally male and female, but they all have the exact same outward appearance. Where okay. like they also have like long beards and like gold and mining and stuff, right? Uh, yeah, and that's like the satire of like, okay, where are the female dwarves? Right, and then in his book, like basically, his, some of his central characters are, are dwarves, are female dwarves who eventually kind of like figure out, I actually don't want to be this kind of prescriptive thing. I am figuring out my own gender. I'm figuring out new pronouns, all this sort of stuff. As they kind of like figure out how to become like. They have like a gender awakening, yeah. Yeah, and they wear skirts and all this sort of stuff. They don't shave their beards, which is an important note. <laughs> they right. stick with the, they stick with beards, but also with skirts and, and lipstick. Um, and it, it's yeah, the, the gist of it is this kind of like Terry Pratchett was very much on the side of like everyone, you know, make your own decisions, think about things, like, but you know, freedom and respect everyone's like rights. Neil Gaiman comes out and says like these these plot lines are. A kind of a demonstration of the fact that he is more on this side. His daughter, Rihanna Pratchett, comes out and says uh, the same thing, being like, he absolutely would not have been like anti trans. Uh, yeah, Neil Gaiman, sorry, Neil, yeah, the other thing that Neil Gaiman actually said was that uh, he, Terry Pratchett, had previously said to him that he he was very proud that trans people saw themselves in their char- he, these characters because like, he definitely didn't write it with a trans storyline in mind. Like, no, it was it more satire. It's like more satirizing, like Tolkien esque fantasy, basically. Yeah, exactly. But he was later very proud that trans people saw them in themselves in his characters, and he was like, "Great." Uh, and it, then, yeah. It's almost like it's almost like if you're a writer and you approach everything with respect, dignity, and kindness, uh, you can create w- wonderful and beautiful metaphors that can be taken by communities. Uh, and, and sort of used to ex- help them express themselves. It's almost like, you know, the opposite of someone like J.K. Rowling. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah. Um, who, incidentally, uh, he, he once was extremely funny about because uh, she, she, like, when she was doing interviews for, like, some of the late Harry Potter books, she was like, when I was writing these, I didn't even realize they were fantasy. Uh, and he was just like, did the, the dwarves and the hidden realms and the trolls not give you a clue because <laughs> um, yeah he was always he was always, like he wrote fantasy and fantasy has always been like one of those genres that's been very looked down upon and the fact right. that you know she was kind of like doing the same thing and being like didn't even think of this as fantasy he's like fuck off <laughs> so, like the fact that he also genuinely didn't seem to like jk rowling is also quite fun um yeah but his he was then adopted by a bunch of anti-trans activists to say like actually we think that he would have been anti-trans uh and regardless whatever and then obviously everyone like brought out like things in the books things he said like at random like fan like conventions and stuff that were clearly in support of like trans people and trans rights uh and yet somehow and then they were all 
the many transactors in the UK then all respond with like, well, we could never know. So, you know, right, why exactly. are we even talking about this? And it's like, it's particularly infuriating for me just because like, I, I don't know. This stuff happens like so frequently, but this is a particular person who I happen to be a fan of. And also he used to live around the corner from me in uh, where I lived in Buenos Aires. Yeah, oh. no, he, he used to like just like literally up and over the, the hill around the corner from us. Um, but yeah, also got like, a lot of time from great guy. And the fact that people would then attempt to use a dead man's reputation to launder this ideology that he clearly would have been against and everyone who knew him said he would have been against is one of those things which I've just found incredibly unpleasant. And as a result, has been hard to kind of like get over this week. I found a really cute tweet from a trans Twitter user uh, who goes by at the Tallulah with three H's. Yeah. Um, And she quote tweeted sort of a a screenshot rundown of like a bunch of turfs pissing their pants about Terry Pratchett and all that. And she wrote, Terry Humpst at a book signing asked my name and being a young egg, I told him adding for now. So he leaned in, asked what it will be. And signed my copy of Guards, Guards ambiguously enough that it can be read either way. He was the first person to know of Tall, which would be this person's name after coming out. Yeah. Um, and I thought that was just like a very nice little little story. And I also think this entire process is so textbook for UK turfs, where it's like they cause a big row, they get in a big fight on the internet, and then like a bunch of like respectable ones come in after and be like, well... We're all just being a little bit out of control, aren't we? Of course, I've already got all of my talking points out in public now, and I own the discourse, and I've already associated Terry Pratchett with being anti-trans in your mind. But can't we all just calm down now? And it's so textbook. They do this, I feel like, once a month now. It's And it's exhausting, because all they want to do is make it so that the concept of anti-trans is attached to some random person uh, or some random idea. And it, and it, it, it just keeps happening. And the, I, I guess the the best way to deal with it is just to ignore it. But like, you can't even really ignore it. Well, usually, like that's kind of my approach to it. I'm like, ignore it, and then do the work in the reporting. Like, because I think that we're at such a point with with this with like opinion stuff and columnists and stuff that writing another column that is very pro trans and repeating the same talking points that we know are correct is actually not particularly helpful. Like, it is just incentivizing like this weird war. So it's just kind of like report on it find out new things and just keep going. But yeah, this particular one this week really got to me because I was like, and also I don't really want to tweet about because like, uh, it's not my, I don't know. It's uh, it's a bit of a thing because it's one of those things that if you tweet about it, you could tweet about nothing else, particularly in the UK. And I don't really want to do that. Uh, no. And yeah. I follow a few accounts that like, they're they're American based and they, they spend a lot of time unpacking and like chronicling like British turf stuff. And it's so tedious and it's so bland and it's so annoying. And the people who obsess over it, like the actual like turfs, they're worse than QAnon. Like they're the worst people because they're just insufferable and they're old. A lot of them are so fucking old. (laughs) And I just like, I don't want a bunch of old British ladies emailing me about like swimming pools and shit. And it's just like. It's like, please go outside. But, but, but what please about the Hampstead outside. Ladies Pond? Oh my God, the Ladies Pond stuff, and it's like, just go outside. Just, just, just. They did. Just they went outside the Ladies Pond, and it was very upsetting to them. Oh my God, it's 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 just it's exhausting. Yeah. Speaking of exhausting discourse, 
I think it's time to talk about bed frames. Uh, the most exhausting discourse of all. Okay, I'm going to read you a meme that has been in my brain since I first saw it, apparently last summer. Okay. Uh, I thought I had seen this much longer ago, but apparently it was only a year ago. It's a picture of Jesse Pinkman talking to Walter White, and Jesse Pinkman says, I need a logged on drain gang doomer boy. (laughs) And then Walter White says, what? And then Jesse Pinkman says, you know, like unemployed, no bed frame, bottle graveyard husband who smokes ground cigarettes and calls me his kudure. And then Walter White <laughs> says, Jesse, what the fuck are you talking about? Ah, uh, man. Bed frame discourse. There's been so much bed frame discourse for so long. Uh, let's, let's start at the beginning. And by that, I mean the most recent. So, so what, is the, what is the most recent round of bed frame discourse that's been kicked off? So the most the most recent round of bed frame discourse was that there was backlash against the bed frame discourse. <laughs> okay. <laughs> or possibly backlash against the backlash. It's it's hard to get around. I'll to be it. honest. I'm not sure how many layers of bed frame discourse we're in on. What first of all, what, let me, let's define this. What we're talking about is we're talking about men who don't have bed frames. That's that's basically well, all we're talking about. Well, are we? Well, no, there's more. We're talking okay. about people talking about men who don't have bed frames i see okay so so the right. the original thing was basically there was for an extended period of time like obviously we accept on this podcast that men are awful and trash yeah no that's basically what yeah. this podcast is meant to chronicle but one of those specific elements of that is that men are often criticized for not having bed frames in that they That's get right. a, they get a room in a new city. I, like this is a specific sort of man. It's basically twenty one to twenty nine year olds. They're twenty men in their twenties. Is what I mean. Uh, who get like get to a new city and rather than buying a bed frame, they get like a mattress, put it on the floor. On the assumption, I'm assuming that like the gist is that at some point they will buy a bed frame. They just not haven't yet. And as a result, like life continues and they never get one. I'm so, so excited you went in this direction because when I was 21 years old, I graduated from college and I had an internship at Vice Magazine and I got, and I didn't have anywhere to live. So I moved all of my belongings into my car and my boss at Vice Magazine said, we can't pay you, but if you keep coming into work, maybe we'll figure out a way to give you some money, which is wildly illegal. Yes. And this was the head of HR at the time for Vice telling me this. Sure. So I had all of my belongings in the car. And I would park around the corner and I would go and I worked as a receptionist. So I ran the front desk advice and I got yelled at once because I kept playing the emo band brand new over the loudspeakers of the office. And this was before they were canceled. I was being yelled at because they're just like not a good band, according to people advice. Sure. I was told that it's not in line with the vice image to play emo music <laughs> over the loudspeakers of the office. Anyways, I eventually found an apartment in Queens and me and two friends moved into this apartment in Astoria and I was making no money. I was making um, $12 an hour to be the receptionist advice. Right. And I took the smallest room and I opened the door and lo and behold, there was a mattress on the floor. It wasn't my mattress. Someone had just left it there. 
And I stared at it and I was like, I don't think this has bed bugs. And so then I put a sleeping bag on it and I slept on that mattress for like two months. Yeah. And then I have, I finally eventually got, see, the problem was the room was so small, it could barely fit a, a mattress. So right. I had to find like a special mattress. That was, was it like, was it like, was it like a it. single mattress? I found a long full-size mattress, which fit in the room. Yeah. And then I ended up bringing that mattress to the UK only to find out that I could not buy sheets for it in the UK. So for five years- yeah. I, I had a bed that I could not buy sheets for, so I only had two sheets that I could switch between, which was fine. Because in my 20s, I wasn't really doing much laundry for my sheets. Yeah, I, I remember that bed. I remember the, the events you had. Because also, it was the wrong size. I'm so, like, I remember that bed. It was just the wrong size. Like you It couldn't... was an extra long full. Okay, so it's like... a full-size bed for t- – so it's, a, it's not quite a queen, but it's bigger than a twin, but it's long because I'm over six feet tall. But no, but I remember looking this up, which is that it's long, but it's also – Less wide than like a UK double mattress. Yes, because you guys go single, double, queen, king. Yeah, we go twin, full, queen, king. But the queen, but then, the queen and kings are different sizes. Everything's different. Yeah, but just a little bit, which I think is a metaphor for both of our countries. <laughs> um. So, anyways, gonna say by the way, I've never, I've never lived. I was about to say I've never lived in a. a, a in a room without a bed frame, but I actually have. I've just remembered. <laughs> if you were to tell me that you never went through a no bed frame phase, I w- that would be the most shocking thing you could ever tell me. My no about- bed frame fra- phase was, to be fair, when I was working in a bar in France. Oh, and wow. I, and well, I, when you put it that way, it sounds glamorous. Wow. <laughs> and I, like, I could not get a bed frame. Fucking Casablanca over here, bartending in France and sleeping on the floor. Oh, wow. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. I remember what life was like before the pandemic too, Luke. That sounds amazing. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, other than the rest, the rest of my life, whenever I have been lived in the UK, I've always had a bed frame. Okay. Which I do actually right. find surprising as well. So when did the most recent version of bed frame discourse kickoff because that is that is the big question here because i know that we've been talking about bed frames for like two weeks now but i honestly in all the research i did for this episode could not figure out the inciting incident of this time around i just found people referring to it i oh oh so this was kicked off by the one and only the 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 ultimate bed no bed frame guy kanye west what how this was the it was kicked off by the photo of him living inside at the Atlanta <laughs> Stadium. Okay. And then a bunch of right. people were like, oh, cis men don't have bed frames. Even though there is That's... technically a bed in that room, but it was- There is. There is I'm it looking is, at but it. it. Equally, like that room is a, there is a very specific vibe that, that room has. Okay, wait. You <laughs> know what? You know what vibe? You know what vibe this room is? What? There's a there's an image that I, I I probably tweet this image like every month because I think it is without question one of the funniest pictures on the internet. It's it's basically the GameCube basement. Yes, it is exactly this basement. If you've never seen this photo I'm describing, it's a it's a a, a husband like a pillow husband. You know those? That's what we call it, the, uh, a pillow husband. Yeah. You know, the, you know one of those? I, I, that's not what we call it, but sure, we'll go with that. Okay. With a towel and a GameCube and a small TV on a crate and two jugs of water in a basement with no windows. And that is the exact same energy as Kanye West's um, Mercedes-Benz Stadium room photo. 
Yeah. And but this- also, he's on a bed that's raised. He's technically on a bed frame. Yeah, but it was that thing of this is a man's bedroom and then everyone got distracted because, and I don't know if we've ever mentioned this before, but there is a, a tendency on the internet to go to what you know and tweet about the the thing that you know will get retweets. And therefore, everyone was kind of like brought back to everyone's attention again. And suddenly everyone was tweeting about men not having, straight men not having bed frames. Oh, I, f- I figured it was something else entirely. Well, I mean, you know, I'm saying this and what's going to happen is we're going to say this and then it's going to appear yeah. in the Discord and someone else is going to have a better understanding of it because they will, they will turn out to have been something else. But it is just, it is very hard to figure out where this <laughs> shit comes from now. <laughs> it really is because like, it's and you know what's you know what's ironic about this whole thing is this is what Twitter's trending topic should be used for. It should be explaining why we're talking about a thing right now. <laughs> yes. But instead it's not. Instead it's like it's instead it's like meet Biden dad, the newest account that is being horny to AOC's feet or something. Like I I I wanna know why we're all arguing about bed frames. Okay, so here's here's two Here's two tweets I found that seemingly are referencing the same discourse. Yeah. Because they were tweeted within two days of each other. So first we have Existential Comics, who's like that weird tanky that like does comics about communism. Sure. And he tweeted, people are like, you aren't a real adult. You don't even own a bed frame. Meanwhile, they don't even own a copy of Karl Marx's Das Kapital in the original <laughs> German. So, which I'm, I'm about 80% sure is a joke. And then we have Kate Willett, who uh, she does like stand up, um, does like Colbert show stuff. And she wrote two days later, convincing liberal feminists to care about the eviction crisis by explaining how many men are about to be without a bed frame. (laughs) (laughs) I assume both of so both of those tweets, both of those tweets have under a thousand retweets, which means they can't be the inciting incident that caused us to talk about this. But they do appear to be referring to the same, like, thing, I think. Right? So I think that there is a, there's a set of, oh, 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 I think I may know where this came from, actually. It's an entirely different tweet. So it is, this is basically. Is, is, it, the, is it the tweet that says a man's room is supposed to look yes, like this? Yes, it is that tweet. I, I think, think you're, I found this there. too. I think it's this. Okay, so wait, so this tweet. This tweet has 15,000 retweets. It's from like... And 12,000 were quote tweets. Who is this person and why do they have 300,000 followers? They're, they're called ChrisXL102. Their pinned tweet is about erection medicine. They look like kind of like a tweet decking account, I guess, maybe? I think I so. I've never, I'm, I've never seen this account. Anyways, they tweeted a photo. Um, a man's room is supposed to look like this. And it's just like... I mean... it. It looks like, <laughs> you know what it looks like? It looks like, it looks like a photo that's released in like a crime report of like a drug warlord's impromptu like trap house. Yeah. Where he's tried to make it look like luxurious, but clearly he has not had the time or money or, or really space because it look yeah. yeah it imp- looks like the nice room in like a, in a drug warlord's. Like in a drug warlord's compound, like an improvised nice room, and like not a very and not a very successful drug lord. No, no, no. Like this is this is like this is entry level IKEA furniture. It's also it's got the it's got the like leather like hotel 
the hotel room I'm recording this in right now has the same like headboard cushion as this as this bed, <laughs> and like no one needs that in their home. Like, what are you doing with your life when it, you need it? It also and, has like a, an L shaped sofa, which takes up the entire like one side of between the bed and the wall just, is just a full just L-shaped that. sofa. Why are you putting an L-shaped couch? And, and mind you, this is an L-shaped couch in which both sides of the L are exactly the same length. So this yeah. is like a full corner couch in your bedroom that, like, you can't walk around in this room. No, you can't. It's a nightmare. What is this? Why did this account tweet this? Why is this tweet so viral? <laughs> what is... And then all of the photos... In the replies, are of just like men's depressing apartments. I so I guess that's what caused this. I think so. I think this is where it came from. Because why did this tweet go so this, viral? This is what I mean. It is like a tweet that says uh, a hot dog's not a sandwich. Like it's the same thing. In that is a thing that everyone has an opinion on, despite the fact that they don't really care. But it's like an easy. Um, like it's not like it doesn't like not effort to have that opinion on it. Luke, have you seen the photo of the other side of this room? Yeah, it's worse. It's unbelievable. This room is like uh, this. This this is breaking my brain. This entire thing is breaking my brain. This is like the ugliest, shittiest room. And to just tweet it to be like this is how like all men should have their rooms, and then have that tweet go viral. But also, this tweet's ratio. It has 12,000 quote tweets. Oh, my God. But this is why it's so effective, because you cannot stop talking about it. It's like what you're looking for with all this stuff is the exact inflection point between, like, like and hate. Like, whatever you do, you have to have an opinion on it. Like, no one no one looks at a room and goes, like, yeah, it's okay. Everyone's like, wait, I hate this room. Or, wait, yeah, that room's great. Oh, my God. Luke, I found it. I found the, I found the missing link. Okay. Someone quote tweeted it with a picture of Kanye West Mercedes Benz Stadium room. That might be it. So uh, this, so I guess what you're describing is it's like a tweet that hits the uncanny valley of good and bad in such a precise way with such confidence that it just pisses everybody off. Yes, exactly. Because it's like because if you look at this tweet for just a second, you're like, okay, that's just like that's a fine bedroom. But then you look at it. And it starts to unravel in your mind, like trying to remember a dream after you just woke up. Yes. And you're like, what is this? It's like, it's like something, it's like a deep fake of a person's face. Yes. It's just, it's wrong. And you're not, you're just not quite sure why. It's a, it's like, it's like a deep, okay. I have, okay. I got some, I got some fire for you. <laughs> a bad tweet is like a deep fake of an idea. Yeah. that I, I see that. The perfect bad tweet is like something you read and you're like, okay, yeah. And you're like, wait. And then it just start it just starts to just come apart in your mind and you're like that makes no fucking sense just like this photo of this incredibly bad room and you can't move on from it that's no, that's in fact, the trick it has derailed me in the in the midst of recording this <laughs> seeing more photos of the room has sent me over the edge i'm losing my mind but this is how this then ties back to the bed frame which is that people reach for canned responses and the canned response when people are talking about men's rooms is bed frame and as a result, people start talking about bed frames. And as a result, people start talking about the Kanye room again. And as a result, suddenly we're back in this endless cycle of like straight men don't have bed frames. I think you're right. I think you're exactly right. So I have three I have three big examples of this across the last three years. So okay. I wanted to I wanted to do some I wanted to do some digging into the history of this. Because <laughs> I want, I was I was generally curious. I was like, when did this idea start? So let's 
Let's go to the beginning. So, in 2018, Vox.com's Rebecca Jennings, who's great, and actually, I'll be doing a live event with her later in the month uh, at Caveat in New York City. Exciting. Head to Garbage Day for more details. <laughs> she wrote an article called Why the Internet Loves Dunking on Guys' Terrible Apartments. And she's, she sort of dated the meme back to a 2018 viral tweet from an account called Cat Hasty. The account has been deleted, but... The words of it still embedded are guys really live in apartments like this and don't see any issue. And I, I think I remember this tweet. I think it was like a flat screen TV, a completely bare apartment, and then like a lawn chair. Yes, in front I, of the TV. No, 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 not a lawn chair. It's like a one, um, uh, like recliner. Oh, like a recliner. Yeah, yeah. it's like okay. one recliner, and then the yeah, the entire rest of the room is empty. Right, and then she used another tweet in this piece from an account that was suspended, uh, and this tweet is from 2018 as well, and it reads. Every straight girl on this site has an apartment filled with stunning art, plants, and vintage furniture, but is in love with a man who sleeps on a bare mattress next to his PS4, which I think is really just describing the modern leftist movement in America. That's all that is. Yeah, it is. And all the modern leftists are on Twitter. <laughs> but also, yeah, that is true. <laughs> so, so Jennings' big thing is that it's sort of like harping on the fact that there's no like social consequence for men living in disgusting apartments. That like women are expected to have really beautiful, nice apartments and men can live in the GameCube basement <laughs> and, and still have a completely active social life, which I can confirm. I had a pretty active social life at 21 when I was sleeping on a mattress that may or may not have had bed bugs uh, that I found on the floor of the apartment that I moved into. Yeah, I mean, I think that I think that makes sense. But I, I mean, I don't think women would have that much of a social consequence. They just are unwilling to do it. <laughs> Well, also, as a friend of the show, Katie Natopoulos, pointed out, uh, a, 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 ins a Business Insider article recently went viral, uh, another one, one that wasn't about uh, nerve damage. Uh, and this one was from uh, a woman who lives in like a 72-foot square apartment. Yes. And I really enjoyed this because they have written this article before about a different person who lives in a 72-square-foot apartment. <laughs> Right. And so Katie wrote, people will make fun of men for having no bed frame, but girls will literally live like this just to be near Magnolia Bakery, which is like a big bakery in, in, in New York. So, OK, I found another piece about this from Vice, and it's titled, Why Do So Many Adult Men Keep Their Mattresses on the Floor? Well, Vice, you could have just asked me because I was sleeping <laughs> on the floor when I worked for you. I would have been more than happy to explain to you that the main reason I did that was because you were paying me $12 an hour to be your receptionist. <laughs> I mean... Also, the thing wait, is, is that I do understand this, which is there is a period of your life when in your, yeah, probably 22 to about 25, when you are very rarely home. Like you are rarely in your flat, you are rarely in your apartment, you are at work or you are out. Like those are the two options. And then eventually you will get home at midnight and you will sleep. And then you'll get up and do the whole thing again. Because it turns out that at that age, you, you can do that. You can't now, I'd die. Um, <laughs> I would be dead. Yeah. yeah, if I lived at thirty, if if at thirty-one I lived the way I lived at twenty-one, I would be dead. Yes. Uh, like you know, I went to a gig on a Monday, uh, the other week, and I, I I suffered for like three days. Yeah, that sounds. I dude, I went out to dinner on Monday, and I've been suffering all week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. So so wait, this Vice article dates the idea of like the the no bed frame man further back. It goes to a 2015 Reddit thread in which one man asked, is a mattress on the floor that big of a deal? 
Have a king-size mattress without box spring or frame. Bachelor pad, one, one bedroom. Indeed, many men on the thread cited the preferred firmness of the on-the-floor mattress and minimal <laughs> sounds during sex. Sex isn't as loud, said one user. I'm short, and having my bed high up would do my sex no good. Ugh. I mean, sure. I guess. But then even stranger, some users claimed that they were doing it to make sure that they wouldn't date a woman who is obsessed with bullshit like, <laughs> like fancy stuff which sounds crazy but then other men were saying that they had real beds in other places but they just weren't using them to sleep on i mean i i, I just is one of those things where it's like i just think there's a period of men's lives where they are not at home like in their bedroom enough to worry about it like sleep is not important enough i i just I don't remember a period of my life when I was like 22 that I was in a position where I wanted to spend like some time on a weekend going to get a bed frame. Like it was never in my top 15 things I wanted to do. So I would never have done it. No, it's true. When I was in my early 20s, like all of my money went towards food, alcohol, and other, you know? Um, I mean, we once had a sofa that we left the pub to go buy a sofa and return to the pub in the rain in the rain yeah we took the first sofa so well okay we were what we were 25 yeah we decided that we needed a sofa at the pub left the pub to the thrift store across the street from our apartment it was raining and there was a sofa on the street and they said we'll give it to you right now for the amount of money we had yeah and so we did that and then we took the sofa up to the apartment and put it in the apartment and then went back to the pub yes that is true I'm not I like I feel like we may have left drinks at the pub that we returned to. I had some of the best naps of my life on that couch. That was, was really nice. It was a good sofa. Okay, wait, I got another tweet. So this is from Sarah Schaefer, and this is twenty twenty. So now we're up to, to last year. Yeah. And this is a very long thread. Um men, here's why a bed frame matters. No bed frame means your mattress is on the floor. As movies have taught us, floor mattresses are for heroin use and prolonged torture. But it also reveals that you've never been in a relationship long enough for a woman to fix your entire life. She goes on to write, I once hooked up with a guy who had no bed frame, no curtains, no furniture, and kept his clothes in a trash bag, which is how you moved into our apartment. You put all your clothes in a trash bag and then threw them in an Uber. No, I had a suitcase, but I only had one suitcase, so the rest of it went into a trash bag. The tweet continues. He'd been living in his place for years, and he was in his 30s. Nice guy, but it told me something. It told me to run. When I met my guy, been with him for almost 10 years, he was scared for me to see his bedroom. But his friend had warned me that he had a loft bed. His friend called it a bunk bed. But he was scared I would see his action figures. <laughs> I braced for a million red flags. And when I went in... It was a tiny room, East Village, so that's why he had a loft. But the room was decorated in such a cool, designy way. I could see a few action figures, but they were coordinated tastefully in the decor. It was then I knew I had met the man-boy of my dreams. Aye. I mean, that's, that's weird and sad in a different direction. I, I, I get it. Look, I want to be very clear. I understand why it would be bad to date a person in their 30s who is sleeping on the floor. I think, yeah. I think that, is, that, is, that is fine. I just don't think there are that many people in their 30s that are doing it, although maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Yeah. And I don't equally, know. I'm not in touch with our generation that well anymore, to be honest. Equally, 
when I was in my early 20s, I actually the longest I ever, the first time I think I spent more than a year in a place was when I lived with you. Like up to then, it's always been like less than a year. I was here for, you know, nine months, here for six months, here for nine months. And it was like a lot of short term moves because like that's just how you live because London's a nightmare and the 21st century is a nightmare. And so in any of those places, had I just had a bed, I'd be like, fine, I don't have a bed frame. I'm not going to bother buying one because it's going to be a pain in the ass to move in nine months time when I inevitably move. Right. Like I think, I think like, okay. At no point until I was, well, actually even a lot later, was I pretty confident that I was going to stay in a place for like more than a year, which I think is a big part of this. I suppose. Like the reason I moved, the reason I was able to move in trash bags was like, why would I have possessions? That seems like a a absolute pain in the neck because I'm just going to have to move them at some point. So, when we started this episode, you said that there was sort of backlash to the bed frame backlash. Uh, yeah. So the backlash was broadly like there was an unfair, it was an unfair stereotype to men. I think. I, I don't know. It's just been going on for so long that I'm now I, I've I've kind of lost the thread of where it is. The discourse. Yeah. Well, I. I did a search for bed frame discourse just to see like what the results would be. And a lot of it's like the normal stuff. Cause like, you know, there's only like a particular kind of person that even uses the phrase discourse on Twitter yep. and they already kind of have like a cooked in point of view. Um, but I, I mean, I guess like the biggest issues that are brought up here is that like ones that we've already touched on, right? Like if you had, a, if you had a lot of money, you'd probably buy a bed frame. If you had enough money to like live in one place for a while, you'd probably buy a bed frame, but also men are weird. And also, like men don't take care of themselves, especially when they're younger. So there's that. There's that element as well. Also, like at least in America, there's like a hugely gendered aspect to being comfortable, which I feel like is not talked enough about. Which is like <laughs> American men are like deeply uncomfortable at the idea of being comfortable. Right. Like I don't like being comfortable is sort of sort of gay. It's like, fellas, is it gay to have soft things? <laughs> That's, I mean, that's what, that's what we're talking about here. And it's like, it's, I don't think it's as pronounced in the UK. Cause like, I, d- I didn't really notice that as much, but in America, it's like, you should live in the most uncomfortable, shittiest way possible because that is not feminine and thus good. Also, uh, more like rented flats in the UK come furnished, which is a big thing. Like that is true. I don't know if American listeners know that. Yeah, in the U- in the US they're mostly unfurnished. That is true. But in the UK they are mostly furnished. They're furnished badly and cheaply and awfully, but they are mostly furnished. That is true. That is very true. Oh, hang on. I've got one more thing that I need to I need to send to you. Okay. Oh, this one. This one. Okay. Yeah. This is this is kind of like the the. The perfect one, right? This is this is yeah. perfect. So, this is from Reddit's R Male Living Space, and <laughs> <laughs> it's perfect. It's such a perfect post. So it's titled, "Oh wait, no, I'm sorry. We're not. We haven't even gotten there yet." The user that posted this is username Unfiltered Menthols. <laughs> oh yeah. The title of the post is "Women Hate How Little It Takes for Us to Be Happy." <laughs> And then it's a photograph of a carpeted room that is mostly just like a curtained off window. Like I'm thinking this is like the back room of like an incredibly shitty condo somewhere. Yeah. That that like just like opens out into like this, like a backyard or something. Right. Yeah. And it has like 
clearly a desk that this person has had since they were 12 years old. Like it's the exact kind of like little boy desk that your mom gets you. It has, <laughs> you know, it's like that. And then it's like the shittiest computer chair from Staples. And then it's two mattresses on the carpeted floor. One mattress has a bed sheet and one doesn't. So I, I'm thinking this person is using one bed to sleep on and the other mattress as like a couch. That's what I yeah, think is going on. That, that makes sense. I, I, I buy that. And then someone writes beneath it, nothing wrong with keeping it simple, but the least I do is add a bed frame. And then I feel like summing up this entire episode, sort of like getting to the heart of this whole thing. <laughs> Unfiltered Menthols responds, I don't deserve a bed frame. (laughs) (laughs) That is it. That is the whole, that is the entire psychological profile of the no bed frame guy. That's the whole deal. It's the whole deal. Hey, Luke, have you consumed any content to stay sane this week? I mean, it's the UK, it's summer, I've been consuming Love Island. How is Love Island? Uh, extremely boring for an extended period of time, and then it suddenly got incredibly good. What 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 changed? What happened? Uh, what changed was that basically there was an awful lot of like kind of tedious, like mostly everyone kind of settled down to kind of a stable couple and no one was taking risks. Uh, and then one of the guys who... Took took a risk, uh, and another one of the guys, like, when they recoupled, did a proper stand-up and, like, be like, this person's been treated awfully by this guy, fuck this guy, we hate them. And then there was an argument, and then they had, like, Casa Moore where they, 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 they bring in, like, six new people of each gender and, like, split them off. And basically every guy who was happy in a relationship got with a new person and then came back and attempted to pretend that they hadn't, and it was, it's chaos, it's great. I saw a clip of an Irish woman who I think was blonde, and she was saying that this man was kissing her outside of challenges, Yeah, and he had a new lady that he was with, and this was all revealed in front of everyone. There's lots of gasping. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, exactly. So he came back from Casa Amor and was like- Casa Amor. Yes. That's where this is. That's the love- house yeah exactly so all the guys go off to a separate house with six new women for three days and have to not have sex with any of them (laughs) (laughs) it's essentially the entire challenge um but they can also like if they prefer one of the new women they can bring them back and and recouple with that woman and be like i found a better one this guy went went off was trying to be like no no, i like the woman i've got at home then met out with girl alone then came back and basically sort of walked back in and was like I've stayed faithful to you. I didn't bring anyone back with me. I see. She was super happy. He was super happy. They were like, great, sit down. At which point this, the show brought in the three, the girl that he'd rejected, for, that he'd been making right. out with. Uh, and then she came in and they were like, hey, how was your time at Cash the And she was like, not great. I was making out with this guy a load and now he's not taking me. And then everything's gone to hell from there. Yeah, that clip was very dramatic. I yeah. thought that was really great. I didn't understand anything that was going on, and yet I felt it. I feel like I could yeah. feel the emotion. Yeah, that sounds nice. Also, that that one ended up with finally uh, them using Oliver Rodrigo's tracer, which they've clearly been waiting on all season to hit the button because they were like, "This is gonna happen. This is gonna happen." Just gonna wait for the That's right a moment. Good call. Yeah, that's a real good call. Yeah, they nailed it. It was very emotional when they did finally play it. 
What content have you been consuming to stay sane? <laughs> when we named that segment, we really didn't think about how many consonants are in the name. No. Content to consume to stay sane. Yeah. Uh, well, okay, it's time for me to finally talk about this, I think, because, uh, yeah, I beat it. So, okay, uh, probably a couple months ago now, I mentioned that I impulse bought two Digimon games for Switch, and they're sure. very bad. These games are very bad. They're called Cyber Sleuth, and they're kind of like a ripoff of Persona. So you like solve like crimes, and you have Digimon, and you fight dungeons of random battles, and it's really poorly translated. And it's like gibberish levels <laughs> of translation. Um, but I got really addicted to it, and I just couldn't stop playing it because, okay, so. In Pokemon, when you want to evolve something, it's linear. Like, you just evolve a Charmander into a Charmeleon into a Charizard, okay? Get that? Sure. In this game, there are trees. There are, like, evolutionary trees, and you can evolve things forward and backwards. So, like, to catch everything, you have to, like, think in a very different way. And so I got very addicted to it, and I put in, like, I put in so many hours into this game. Like, I don't even want to think about it. Um... And then last night, I beat it, and it was a very, it was a very good feeling. Uh, there's post game, and then there's a sequel, so I've already started that. But it's not a good game, and yet it is like it's a very addicting uh, experience for me. That's interesting. I mean, oh God, I do worry about how many games seem to be now designed to be addicting rather than to be good. Yeah, I mean, this game is older. It was made for the PlayStation. I think it was made for like the Vita or like the PSP. It was ported over to Switch. It's like, I don't know, if you're someone who's really into like collecting games or like monster raising games, it is like straight up crack. It's like it's like smoking Pokemon crack out of a light bulb. It is just raw and bad and it sucks and yet you can't stop. Um so yeah, I'd give it a I give it 7 out of 10. Uh that's my Metacritic score for 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 Poke for, for for Digimon Cyber Sleuth. Um, so we have an interesting, uh, we have a very interesting post-post credit scene this week. We're talking about the Animatrix. If you want to hear that, go over to patreon.com slash the content minds. We're now going to go over and record that. I'm, uh, I think this is the first one of these movies that we've talked about that I haven't watched beforehand. Like I haven't previously seen. I, I had seen it. I just really didn't remember it. And now I think I think it was that I was just not old enough to understand it <laughs> because watching it as an adult, I think, was awesome. Uh, and I have lots of thoughts about it. But if you want to hear those, like I said, go over to patreon.com slash the content minds. Uh, that'll be up on Friday. And um, yeah, let's go. Let's go talk about the Animatrix, which I'm proud to say I have finally gotten Luke to watch anime. For this show. <laughs> yes. Yes. 